in this week's in-ear insights we are back from a whirlwind uh, tour at the marketing profs b2b forum 2023 uh, katie you spoke i spoke and we had a bunch of really great sessions so uh, let's start off katie with what are some of the things from the sessions and things you went to that you that you learned some lessons learned that you think are, are worth sharing I think the big thing, I mean, obviously everyone is obsessed with generative AI right now. That was probably one of the larger themes uh, that I noticed at the event, including with the opening remarks. And then uh, the two follow-up sessions to that were also focused on AI. But the focus was more so how to make AI work for you, not to be afraid of it and not to let it sort of take over everything as in it's just going to do your job now it's just going to do this but it was more around really understanding it that being said because it was the thing that everybody was focused on the sessions that didn't folk that, that didn't feature anything ai tended to be less attended uh, cause everybody wanted to know the tools everybody wanted to know all the shiny objects and gadgets and so if I look objectively from the outside, I think that that is a risk because the tools change so fast and it means that you're not focusing on all of the other skills and things that go along with uh, generative AI. What was your uh, takeaway? Um, the session where I learned the most was attorney Ruth Carter's session. Uh, Ruth, they brought they brought their dog Lucy, which is this adorable beagle. So, yeah, I, I I spent more time with Lucy at the conference than anything else. Um, but there were a couple things that I learned that I did not know. And again, I am not a lawyer, uh, so so what I learned may not be reflective of the truth. You should consult your own lawyer. Um, but a couple things were interesting. One, the USA has ruled that. Um, AI-generated works cannot hold copyright. There are five countries where that's not true, where AI-generated works can hold copyright. Uh, Hong Kong, India, Ireland, New Zealand, and the UK, which was news to me. I thought it was relatively universal that you know, machines can't hold copyright, but apparently in these five countries, and, and you know, the UK and Ireland particularly stand out to me because Ireland's part of the EU. So the question then is, like, does that extend to the EU at some point, you know, that, that'll be real interesting. And the second thing that I learned that upgraded my knowledge from what I thought was previously true is that if you put your work into a machine and have it generate from that work, what results is a derivative work under copyright law. And so you retain the copyright on it. I didn't think that was the case. I thought anything machine generated, uh, you forfeited copyright on that was wrong. Uh, Ruth was saying, if you take a transcript of, say, this podcast, and you put it through an AI and have it write a summary, even though the machine-generated copy is a summary, it is a derivative, under law, uh, at least under uh, what they presented, that is a derivative work. So you retain the rights to that derivative work, the same as if you had hired a copywriter to you know write a summary or write a blog post from, from this podcast episode. I was like, oh, well... That's that clears up a lot of things because I've been wondering, you know, how much you know, if I write a rough draft complete, you know, just bad grammar and whatever, and I have a tool like Grammarly clean it up, do I lose 
my my claim to that. And, and according to what Ruth was saying, that is not the case. The that you attain the rights to your derivative works. That is different than a generative work where you give it a prompt, but not the original work, and it spits out a blog post, for example. That would be a case where copyright does not apply in the USA. Well, I would imagine too, it's very similar to hiring an editor or anything like that. And so the editor doesn't suddenly retain the copyright mm -hmm. to your work. It's still mm -hmm. your work. Someone else just edited it. I always saw it as the same thing where it's either a human or a machine editing the work, but you still did the work. And right. so that to me makes sense. Yeah. Um, I thought that was that was a super useful session. Also, many of the court cases about whether um, the training data used to create AI models is a violation of copyright or not. Um, Ruth was saying those are going to take years to resolve, so we will not have clear answers for quite some time. Um, Ruth said there are uh, three major cases, Anderson versus Stability AI, Silverman versus OpenAI, and Kadri versus Meta, and all of them They've the AI companies already filed motions to dismiss, um, and mm -hmm. so the courts have to work for that, and then they have to go to, to go to trial essentially. Um, so it will be a very, very, very long time uh, before before that comes out. So I thought that was super helpful because it answers a lot of the questions I have about AI. Obviously, are not technical in nature; they are process based. You know, what processes um, are allowed? How does AI fit into our existing frameworks, particularly around legal things? Um, I uh, did ask with one other thing, which was uh, we had read from other legal counsel that uh, using AI in client work would be a breach of copyright because you can't assign, if you have it in your client work, if you assign your rights to the client as a work for hire. And Ruth said, that's not that clear cut. And Ruth's advice was to be clear in your client contracts, maybe do an addendum to your scopes of work, whatever saying these are the conditions under which we will and won't use AI. And this, I would say, should be true for everybody in the industry. Every contract from now on should have some clause about how you will and won't use AI. Well, and if I think about all of the sessions that happened at B2B, you know, there was a lot of teaching how to use generative AI. And so if you think about the way that we use it, we use it to help analyze our data. We use it to help write code. Do we have to disclose that? Is that now something that we have to put into our contracts and say, generative AI actually analyzed your data, not us? I think mean, that's, a, that's a question for us as a business, as, as the business owners to say, like, how do we want to disclose that? Um, because I think, that's, I think it's certainly useful to be able to say, like, here's what we did and here's how we use machines to, because we use it a lot, I would say, kind of like a sous chef doing the preparatory work, like, you know, generative AI is, is doing the the uh, effective equivalent of slicing the carrots, right, making julienne carrot strips. It's not making the final dish, but it's cutting out that two hours of prep time slicing carrots because you know, it can do it for us. It will do, for example, in a client report, all the basic analysis, and then we have to add, the value add we add is looking at the results, making sure they're correct, um, and then saying, hey, client, here's what this means, and here's what you should do about it. Um, I think that's where it's, it's, it's essentially in a lot of ways like a really smart intern that we have on team, and we should we use it in that fashion. Like, hey, intern, 
fix these PowerPoint slides. Hey, intern, you know, copy all the text out of this PowerPoint and, and summarize it. It's not stuff that requires you, your and my level expertise to do those basic tasks. And then we can spend uh, the time with the client saying, here's what we do. Here's what you should do next. So where we've been using machine learning for the entire time that Trust Insights has been operating, we haven't put into our contracts any sort of clause. Right. Um, and so now, because everybody's aware that machine learning and AI are a thing, now they're paying attention? It, it seems that way. And I think, you know, the way we've been using uh, machine learning, which is what I call classical AI, to do stuff like attribution analysis. I, I think folks have could have realized that that's the technology at play. I mean, we literally tell people this is a machine learning powered attribution model. Um, but I think now that people understand more about just the general concepts of AI, it wouldn't be bad to reinforce that to some degree, but also to emphasize like, hey, this is the thing that we created based on our knowledge and expertise to do this attribution analysis. And contractually, yeah, it should be in there at, at some point. Um, but more importantly, I think it's it's a marketing point for us as an agency to be able to say, like, yeah, not only do we use AI, we've been using AI since the day the doors opened. Um, mm -hmm. And if you want to work with a, a, a partner that actually knows what they're doing, um, as opposed to someone who just jumped on the bandwagon three months ago, there's a reason that the, the first word in our company's name is trust. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the sessions that I attended, I tried to go out of my way to attend the sessions that were not AI focused um, because I was curious to see how digital marketing tactics were being presented without it. Obviously, digital marketing is absolutely doable without AI, absolutely doable. What I was curious about was to see in at an event that is so generative AI heavy now, and that, you know, that I don't think that that was their intention. Uh, it just sort of how it worked out. What did it look like to talk about and teach digital marketing and not focus on generative AI? And so there were a couple of sessions. And so Ashley Zachman's um, influencer, B2B influencer session did not focus on generative AI. Um, I attended an ABM session that did not focus on generative AI. And I know that there were some email sessions and Nancy Harhut, who I actually saw speak at Content Marketing World the previous week, she focuses on uh, ROI of your marketing. And as far as I can remember, she doesn't focus on generative AI either. She, It's very more like, logical behavioral marketing of this is what your audience expects. And so I was really happy to see that those sessions uh, were still happening because I do think that we collectively as marketers run the risk of just thinking, well, generative AI is going to do it for me. Well, I don't have to think about how to write an email now because generative AI can do it. Well, I don't have to worry about what the audience wants because generative AI is going to tell me. And none of that is true. None of that is true, and yet, if you were if you are judicious in the use of the technology, generative AI can assist you with some of the subtasks in each of those categories. 
No, it absolutely can assist you. But I, what I'm saying is that people, marketers are going into it thinking that it's just going to do the whole thing start to finish. Mm -hmm. So yes, yeah. it can do a sub category task. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there was a lack of understanding that, you know, generative, generative AI is just going to do the thing. And so, uh, for example, uh, Andrew Davis gave a really great talk on the first day about creating your doppelganger, basically, you know, uh, the AI version of you. But because he was only on stage for 40 minutes, what didn't happen was it didn't go into all of the work that it took to actually create and refine this generative AI version of you. Um, you know, he rightly so presented it and it made it look easy breezy, but that's not how it works at all. Um, and so someone who then goes home and tries to recreate it is going to get mediocre results or struggle through it and just give up. Yeah, people will actually had that issue they before even leaving i sat down uh at lunch on day two with a person who works in um the ag tech space and was saying like hey i was trying to do what andrew showed on stage um mm -hmm. and i just can't seem to make it work and so i sat next to this person i said well show me what you've done and it became immediately clear that what was shown on stage like and andrew didn't show any of the internal workings and that was right. all of what was missing so this person for example didn't have uh, any kind of prompt structure um so I, I i gave them a free copy of our uh, prompt sheet which you can also get for free with no forms to fill out or anything go to trustinsights.ai prompt sheet um, to get your copy and then said okay here's what else is missing you're you know you have you don't have your the, the race structure and what he was showing he didn't call it this but what it's it's called from a technical perspective is called few shot learning here are the samples and that you want to to train the machine on and what what kind of got lost along the way again because it, it was a short keynote was even the process of picking those samples of deciding which samples you want to use isn't just oh i'm just a copy paste the first things that come to mind it's no actually you have to be very judicious in the use of that you have to look at the quality and variety of the words particularly jargon because you want jargon in your few shot learning prompts so that the machines can key in on it so all that stuff uh, after like 15 minutes we got i got this person's um prompt to actually function correctly like oh it works now like Yes, and you now see just how much detail and implementation stuff there is that was not presented. And I think that that's something that uh, attendees of conferences need to keep in mind is that you're not, unless you're signing up for the eight-hour workshop, which Marketing Profs does absolutely offer, and I wouldn't be surprised if next year there were more how-to-do AI-like typical workshops um, but the the 45 minute sessions that you're attending, you're not meant to get every single step of the process. And so that's something from an attendee side to be mindful of. The presenters, their responsibility is to introduce an idea and excuse me, introduce it in such a way that you want to know more. So you follow up with them. It's essentially one large sales pitch for each individual speaker. And if we've done our jobs right, We've introduced an idea to you and you said, oh my gosh, I really need that. I need to know more. 
let me reach out to you speaker afterwards so that I can engage you in some kind of, you know, business relationship. That's the point. That's the whole goal. Yes, it's ed education, but within 45 minutes, we can't teach you every single step. And so I think it's, it was interesting to see, you know, people walk away from events. They're like, you know, they're buzzing, they're excited. They have all these ideas, but that's all they are. They're just ideas. No one has given you the step by step by step. And that's when the actual work has to start. Yeah, it's kind of like the equivalent of going out for a really great meal and going home and realizing you don't have a cookbook. Sure. <laughs> I don't um, think that one was as, that wasn't your most solid metaphor. Probably not. Um, shameless plug, if you do want a workshop on AI, let us know. We do those. Um, <laughs> so it, in terms of other stuff in the event, I definitely agree that yeah, you know, the the non AI sessions I went to were were less popular in terms of just number of butts in seats. I mean, the mm -hmm. the session I gave at the end of the of day one should have been half empty because it was five p.m. I was like right before the bar, uh, and yet it was you know it was it was standing only because it was an AI talk. Um, and I agree that there's there is risk for at, for people forgetting. I, I think two things. I completely agree that there's there's a risk of people over focusing on AI just like you know two years ago people like everything is web three and we're like no no it really isn't <laughs> um, uh, how's your blockchain journey going um, <laughs> but secondarily and I think this is a bigger question that there isn't an answer to but in the martial arts to become a black belt you have to do a lot of white belt techniques a long time you know punch kick you know, and so on and so forth uh, and it can be boring at times and stuff, but that builds up your skills so that you can eventually do green belt techniques or brown belt techniques and eventually black belt techniques. And I think there's a there is a risk for people who are in the profession of marketing if you offload the white belt techniques, you know, the basic stuff to machines. Yes, that is efficient. Yes, that is can be effective, particularly if you're not very skilled. But in that in turn means you're not developing your own skills. So it's much harder for you to become a green belt and much harder for you to become a brown belt and much harder for you to become a black belt when a machine is doing uh, more and more of those basic intermediate tasks. And I don't think that we figured out collectively what a good balance looks like. Because for example, how many people under the age of 30 who have not been in the military can use a paper map to navigate? Right, That is a skill that has been damaged by technology well it's you know and it's something we've talked about a lot before is that ai is not a new problem it's just a new symptom of the same problem and so what you're describing is very similar to leaders who have offloaded all of those if you call them the white belt techniques um you know they become so out of touch with what's actually happening day to day with the employees and the customers and they're just making decisions on a whim or they're making the decisions that they think they should be making without really consulting you know what does this actually mean for my team what do people actually have to do with this decision i mean it's the same problem so it's you know someone who's going to succeed is going to be well-rounded they are going to retain some of those more basic tasks. They may not do all of them, but they will stay 
up to date. They will do them occasionally. They'll keep their hands, you know, in the dirt, but they will also learn how to use the technology. They will also learn how to use the data to make decisions. And so it's, it's not that we're asking people to be unicorns. We're asking them just to, you know, stay grounded while they have their, you know, head in the sky, thinking about all these great things. Like you still have to think about what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and not just again, it's the, well, AI can do it for me. Well, sure. But then what does that mean for you as the person when that comes back around and the technology is no longer working? Exactly. And I think the final thing that at least I learned from marketing prospect before is I am not well suited to being a character from the Barbie movie. Oh no, you were you were the perfect Alan. <laughs> Uh, any final lessons and thoughts from you, Katie, on things you learned from this year's Marketing Prosperity before? I think the big thing is, you know, as marketers, I think it's good that we're trying our best to stay up to date on new technologies. But, you know, like everything else, like, you know, SMS marketing, like email marketing, like social media marketing, they are, they all have a shelf life. They are things that, you will need to know how to do, but they will not forever be the only thing that you focus on. And so, you know, learn what's going on with generative AI, but don't make that your sole focus because there are other things that you still need to be aware of. Exactly. And if you were at Marketing Prosperity Forum, or if you weren't, and you have some thoughts you want to share about these topics, pop on over to our free Slack group. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over 3,500 other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And to our knowledge, there's no AI running things in there yet. Uh, wherever it is you watch or listen to the show, if there's a channel you'd rather have it on, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast. You can find us on most other channels. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review on the channel of your choice. It does help to share the show. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time.